0: On episode 202 of the podcast, Coach Sarah Stone discusses the women's game, WTA Tour coaching, mixed doubles tactics, how to choose the right coach for junior players, coaching mistakes, and much more.
1: Enjoy. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Welcome to the Tennis Files podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad.
0: Hey everyone, this is Mirban. I hope you're doing well. I am still in Orlando at the moment. I actually had a really nice private lesson today at the USCA National Tennis Center in Orlando. So I think I'm probably going to talk about that in the next episode. But for this one, I have a, an interview with you. Interview slash Q&A, I would say with coach Sarah Stone, who has been coaching for a long time. Uh, She's very experienced. She was a former professional tennis player and she previously coached Samantha Stoser, who as you probably know, is a three-time Grand Slam champion under her tutelage. In fact, she's also coached five other top 100 players and she is also the founder and CEO of the Women's Tennis Coaching Association a fantastic nonprofit organization, and is a committee member of the International Club of Australia. So uh, big thanks to Sarah for uh, enlightening us and doing great work in the tennis community. And without further ado, here is our interview slash Q&A session with Coach Sarah Stone. For you, like, what, what's your main, uh, I guess, like activities these days? Like, are you coaching, you know, mostly <laughs> club level or mostly, you know, a bunch of pros or like what's going on there?
2: Taking a little time out from coaching pros. I'm not sure if I'll coach pros again or well, who knows. You never know what you're going to do. I'm just coaching a couple of hours for my dad. My dad has a huge business in Australia. and a couple couple lessons a week doing a couple different things and looking at some different options i mean my time during COVID has sort of been just keep focusing on the wtca and keep the content out there so people have got good things to refer back to and, and know what they're doing and outside of that i'm not on the court that much at the moment um It's interesting, though, because I like it that that way sometimes because you get a chance to look at what you're doing and all the other things that are around the industry. And if you're on the court all day, every day, then you miss that stuff. So right now I'm coaching a beginner lady on her fourth lesson, and she's about 35, which is fun because you look at tennis from a different perspective. And I'm coaching a 14-year-old girl, and I enjoy learning from her about all the things she goes through on a daily basis, being a, a teenager and what the experience that tennis is like for her and sort of like a research project for continuing to expand the WTCA.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Lovely to especially work with, um, you know, players who are in the foundation stages, so to speak. So I guess uh, I'm curious, you know, in terms of like the approach to teaching, females and let's start with you know maybe the junior age like are there any differences in the approaches that you might take or anything or is it I mean is it uniform how does that work
2: I would say it's quite different the relationship is is imperative most female players if they don't like their coach they're just going to be done so it's more about that dynamic with the coach and this one particular kid that I I'm coaching right now. I talked to her about astrology and crystals, and you know all the sorts of things—the that, that common interest. And I find that she just is happy being there, talking about that. She's getting better every week. Obviously, we talk about tennis, but it's much more of a relationship. And over, guys just want to get out and they want to play matches and they're competitive. It's not to say that women aren't competitive at all, but I feel like it's a different way that you build a relationship with with young females and they want to a, a little bit more know that you're interested in things outside of the court. It's not so cut and dry. It was, that's just my experience.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've heard from from coaches that, you know, it's, it's really key to get to know the student and, you know, to gain their trust and things like that. So, it sounds like it's even more so with females. Like, is that... Because males, like, are they just more, like, mentally, like, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to, answer, like, ask the question. Like, what, why is that, do you think?
2: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I think it's just environmental. I think that there's this element of maybe confidence. I mean, it's a difficult age for girls, 13 to 17, and it's where you're really self-conscious about, yourself and how you fit in the world and the the pressure of media and all those sorts of things. So you're, you're being bombarded by all these different things. And tennis is a sport that's quite difficult. And then women are very self-critical, um, sometimes perfectionists. And then if you don't have that coach, it's there just propping you up and supporting you as a human being and, and p- taking you as a person first. we can lose a lot of girls that way and it's different you're dealing with different things girls don't just suck it up you know you might have to sit down and say what's going on for you today and they'll say nothing i'm fine and then you got to ask again and say you you know you can talk to me about it and create a safe space that's how it's been for me girls want to chat and yeah it's just a little bit different there's obviously physiological differences and that that's to do with you know, also with strength and ability to cover the court and things like that. I find that it's very important to use female role models. We might want to talk a lot about how great Roger's serve is. When I listen to commentators, actually, Roger's served during a women's match, but I've never heard commentators refer to Serena's serve during a men's match. And I think we need to try as coaches. To have those female role models in our head. Like, know who's the best. Just have a couple. Refer to Serena, sir.
0: Oh, uh, Sarah. Sorry to interrupt you, Sarah. I, sorry. I think you, it said that you muted yourself. So you might have to touch the screen. Hey, everyone. Just uh, here briefly by myself. Um, but yeah, we're with Coach Sarah Stone from. Uh, WTCA, the Women's Tennis Coaching Association, and uh, she was a former pro player. Uh Aha, here we go. I can't hear hear you. That's good. What did you do? do, Oh, I don't know. I just, I I didn't do anything. (laughs) Oh, man. It's like a... I
2: don't know. It's technology. uh, uh, I don't know what happened on my phone. I touched the screen and that was it.
0: Yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. Yeah. No, we're all good. We're back. We're back. Um, Yeah, I apologize for uh, the change in the, you know, the disconnection. So, we were talking about, oh, the role models. Um,
2: Yeah. You got to have them in your, if you're a coach, you need to just have a couple that you can reel off because I think naturally, male coaches are quite interested in men's tennis. It's normal. And you'll have female coaches are quite interested in women's tennis. It's your own gender. And then the first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, God, I love Novak's backhand or I love the way that Rafa goes that straight arm. And it's just not relative to the girls. And so if you can talk about that and get the girls to talk about that, I think that's empowering for them.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, one one forehand that I love is Jenny Brady's forehand. Uh, oh, it's sick. It's explosive. Wow. Yeah. Huge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks huge. than a Jenny lot of Jenny on any
2: example.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really impressive. Um, so I guess speaking with that, you know, you might even be tired of like, you know, potentially talking about this, but like, there's been this whole, um, you know, the, the WTA versus ATP forehand. And I was just wondering, Mm -hmm. you know, I've actually, I've asked this uh, of a few coaches and a lot of them pretty much said that, you know, it didn't matter so much, you know, as long as they got the contact point, you know, all correct. So what are your thoughts on that, uh, on the, on the forehand comparisons and does it matter uh, in your opinion?
2: I don't like the terminology mm-hmm. because it's, it's saying that the men's f- forehand is better than the women's forehand and then Jenny Brady just has a forehand. It's not <laughs> an ATP yeah. forehand, it's a forehand and it's a sick forehand. Barty has a great forehand. Hercog yeah. has a great forehand. Kroonich has a great forehand. Hennen had a great forehand. These are all chest side dominant swings. And mm-hmm. then you have Sodaling, you have Fritz, you have Chorich, uh, you have Madison Keys all break the plane and have longer backswing so do you need to call fritz's forehand or wta forehand i mean it's on the edge of what they use that as a description i think it's personal some players i can't hit off a longer swing like that i just can't get the same snap but mm. somehow some of them are able to get that and they sort of hit a flat they hit a more flat through the shot kind of forehand like sodling was just like a pound and, and if you can't get that snap off the outside you maybe don't get the outside of the ball quite as much and you can't create as much jump with the ball but they're trying to play a different style of tennis i mean fritz just stands there and slams them and i'm not breaking down fritz's forehand but it's quite a long swing at the back and it's it's pretty deadly so i think it's just something that people try to differentiate between two styles of forehand and they put everything in this WTA box and you put everything in ATP box. But it's, for the no, if they've got a great forehand, I would leave it with a longer swing. If they don't have a great forehand and they want to create like a heavy ball to put time pressure on the player, then you can look at saying chest side if they have the coordination to do it. It's it's really up to the player.
0: Yeah, and you know this is kind of like a, a deeper than just tennis idea, but I mean, do you feel like? You know, I feel like generally, you know, people have, like, these sorts of egos where they want to create a group where they're, they feel, like, superior in some way, you know? So I almost feel like it's kind of like they're saying, like, oh, I'm a male and I have this ATP forehand, like, you know, the females, mm. they... they So, like, I don't know. I feel like it's that could be some of it. I don't know. Does that make any sense or not really? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Well, which one do they think is better? Which one do coaches rate as better? The ATP forehand. So, automatically, they're saying that the women's forehand is just not as good. And we're trying to retain females in our sport. And it's pretty evident that you just take Jen as your example. Why does that have to be an ATP forehand? It's just a great forehand. It's a sick forehand. A lot of guys would like to have that forehand. Yeah. And, and that's it. And I don't know, I think it's lack of education and understanding that it's not empowering to, say, compare women to having a male strokes. Just got to have your own strokes and work hard. I, I'm just really for using female role models where you can. And there yeah. are some places, like when I work with Sam Stozer, there wasn't an example of a forehand that looked like what we were looking for. And hers that we modelled was Carlos Moya. And it's sort of changed since then. She doesn't quite, she's got more of a like a one swing. It used to be the, the one and then the go, like that good prep position. But that was it. At the time, that was that was the example and that was the style. But now there's so many good, technically good players, female players that are very athletically developed and technically advanced that I think we can search for enough for the female players and use them for the, for the guys too, if, if that's what you want to do.
0: Right. Right. No, definitely. So I I don't necessarily want to like uh create like cookie cutter, you know, like advice or anything, but I'm wondering, like, is there a common, like common technical differences at all? Like in where, you know, like you might wa- prefer to teach a, Technique to like a female player versus the, the male might usually have like a different way of approaching or not really? Mm-mm. Okay. I would
2: say not really. I would just look at physical strength, like muscle mass, uh, ability, explosive power. If you've got five foot four, Alexandra Krunich, can't ask her to cover the court in two steps because Djokovic is able to do that to create time pressure or to not lose time because he's six foot three. So I I just think you have to look more at the athlete, like what is their capacity? What are they able to do? And then sort of build their game around that and build their game around their personality. There's no point saying you want someone to be first strike when they like to cat and mouse and that's why they play the sport. They enjoy toying with the person. Sure, you have to be able to finish points sometimes, but you can't take – the person's joy of why they even started the sport out of what they're doing. You just kind of have to work with it.
0: Yeah, 100%. Um, Sarah, I, I'm not sure how much you, you teach like club level players. You know, that's a big uh, part of the audience. Uh, I was wondering, mm-hmm. um, you know, for female club level players in, in particular, like are there any like strategies or just like general pieces of advice that maybe when you watch them play, like you're, you're seeing these are very common mistakes that we might want to work on to help them play better, uh, you know, in their club level matches.
2: Yeah, I would say so that a lot of, I do coach periodically or fairly often club level players.
0: Nice.
2: Women have typically probably club players have played less sports than men and so this that that athletic capacity or the skill acquisition it, be, it becomes like the coordination of the body is a little bit more difficult i just think it's imperative that they hit up on the ball mostly off the forehand i find that the forehand is a much more athletically developed sort of shot um, getting the racket head underneath the ball is like it's is a tough concept also for a lot but keep focusing on hitting up on the ball is one and uh yeah, because I don't think it's distinctly different, but they just understand that you've come from a background of not playing a plethora of sports and then you're coming into a sport that quite – and just try to do hand-eye, like even catching or bouncing the ball off the wall. Those things are going to help you with tracking the ball a lot. and that, that, they, they are the things I find because females have played less sports growing up.
0: Great, great tips there, Sarah. So um, shifting to the pro game just for a bit, um, what types of strategies are you finding that are, you know, common strategies that are working uh, in the game today versus like what are some like maybe strategies that aren't working so well in in the pro game?
2: Oh, well, body's done really well by using a slice. And Mm. sometimes it astounds me when I'm watching... Women's matches, and nobody's used a slice for the whole match. I don't understand why, but it gets into this seems to get into this rhythm of I just want to do it this way, and it's stubborn. But the slice is not really used. I don't know if it's the court craft, I don't think it's taught from a young age, but at the moment we've got a lot of big hitters, we've got a lot better servers. I think the servers improved a lot in women's tennis and I think we need to see a little bit more use of the slice that will. It's a standout, and I, 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 I'm bewildered why, why it's not used as much. The drop shot is, though, quite a lot of players that pound ground strokes will do a lot of drop shots, but they won't necessarily use the slice to set up a forehand. Um, so it's tactically something they could work on with their coaches, I guess, but we'll see. Like Serena, I've never seen her hit a slice. I know it's not her game, and it's probably not going to change, but there are some some players out there that could use it just as a, as a mix up.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I'm just curious, you know, what are some of the things that you worked on, uh, when you were coaching professional players that you felt like really enhanced that, that that particular player's game?
2: Just, just be on repeat. You just got to do it over and over and over and over and over. There's no substitute for those reps done correctly so you've just got to be willing to put in the work i mean any club player that's playing i'm giving a lesson to a lady once a week and that's great she gets a little bit better each time but if she would go out and practice a little bit on her own or just hit a few balls on the wall or, do, or take a clinic where the ball's fed in because when you're a, a beginner player it's hard to get a rally with a friend so i think mm-hmm. take a lesson but take a clinic so that ball is in the, a place where you can get the right contact point and that's a lot to do with it contact point is all over the place until you've really got your eye and you've got your strokes grouped in, so you have to practice if you want to get better,
0: yeah, the so no, same 100%. for the pros, yeah, yeah, no, no for sure um I guess who which player do you think right now um in the women's game is is like a great player to to model off of um for well, let's see. For club level players who are aspiring to get better, who who is like a player you you'd pick for them to to try to you know model after, whether it's their their mentality or their you know strategy or anything like that?
2: Yeah, probably Barty, Honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, just because it's a it's not ultra. Ag- <laughs> her game is not ultra aggressive. She uses time well, but she doesn't like just rip balls. She uses the court well. And I think if if you're a club player, your capacity to rotate super quickly, and it's not something you've done growing up, is going to be a little bit less. She's got a smooth service action. You want to try to keep your strokes as smooth as you can, move the ball around the court, particularly in club, because people don't track the ball well. So if you have the ability to be precise with your placement, then you're going to open up a lot of spots because people don't track the ball as well when they're, when they're um, club players.
0: And so you talked about having smooth strokes and it's probably a lot of work you got to put into it, but any tips on uh, developing smooth strokes?
2: I would say get video footage and be very sure who you're paying to give you lessons Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of coaches out there and you'll be there for two years. It's the same in any industry. Maybe they don't click with you. Maybe they don't really care. Uh, same as a doctor mechanic it doesn't matter make sure that you have that connection and you feel like that person cares about you and have a look at your game and and look at video footage because it's hard for you to remember what it looked like going back
0: yeah no 100 percent. i mean going back to your playing days too what are some changes that you made throughout your career that you felt were really um like really elevated your game to the next level
2: playing that much Um, but what what elevated my game I just think experience I mean I'm, I'm a very very natural athlete I played every sport so it actually came very easy to me like technically very easily because I had that athletic capability but playing more being in more situations definitely never I didn't play enough practice matches because I was too worried about losing practice matches and feeling stupid. So if I could go back to my younger self, I would say just play a lot more matches and get yourself in a situation where you feel uh, like you enjoy the practice environment. That That's probably the most critical piece and, and always find a coach that really you click with. And I have a handful that I clicked with, maybe two or three, and I had a lot of different coaches and I, they're very clear to me why. And they really just cared about me as a person.
0: Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, that's, that's key. Uh, coach wise. So we've got a question from Becky. Hey, Becky, how are you? Um, hi Sarah. Hey Becky. Wh- hey Becky. Uh, hi Sarah. At what age do you teach girls top spin serve? And then she also says boys. So maybe both, I guess.
2: Uh, well it's to do with growth because if you get into this hyper position, it's it's bad for your back so for girls they told me it'd be probably 14 like 13 14 i had stress fractures i had a kick serve at 12 but nobody knew that wow and my back wasn't fully developed so just be careful make sure that they're they're probably pretty grown and strong that's the advice i've had from the orthopedic surgeons
1: Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.
0: Wow, very interesting. Wow, Yeah, it's
2: repetitive. Gymnasts get it a lot. They get that hyper extension and then they get stress fractures in their lower back.
0: Wow, super interesting. Um, I'm trying to think. Is that like the only stroke that we have to be wary of? I'm just trying to double check, (laughs) you know, as far as... I would say so okay
2: yeah maybe yeah and also the shoulder i mean you can rip your bicep tendon but as kids i don't think that's going to happen that much but i would say that that the serve is the one that causes a lot of problems i mean if you if you don't have stability in your shoulder you know you can i had a wrist injury overuse when i was young but it was to do with my shoulder so i think you've got to be doing the prehab all the time
0: yeah yeah it's so so important um Glad you brought that up. So let's see. L. Robin, uh, I have an easier time reading the women's players versus the men on the mixed teams, i.e. where they are going to direct the balls and how they are going to hit the ball. Any suggestions? Mm.
2: Uh, as to not being read, maybe uh, hold, just hold your shot a little bit longer, um, create a bit more space. If you're too close to the ball, realistically you can only pull the ball across your body and if you try to if if your space isn't good and you try to go line or off your forehand's going to spray to the side your backhand's going to spray to the side so i'd say make sure you're positioning you give yourself plenty of space it's just a guess if that's the answer to the question
0: yeah that's that sounds good how about um is there any way for her to increase her ability to read the men's players because I guess they seem to be harder to read for whatever reason?
2: Uh, just practice with more male players because I, I was saying yeah. this the other day in the lesson. I said when I get out and if I got out and hit with a pro today, I would hit everything late. But after a while, once I'm tracking the ball, then I would, I would be fine. So if you make sure you hit against guys or get in some drill classes with that ball coming faster at you, You'll then process it faster, and and it won't seem like you have no time to react when you're getting onto that mixed court.
0: Nice, very nice. Um, Let's see. Becky says thank you so much. And so boys mature later than girls, so maybe later. Oh, I guess she's commenting on the boys Mm. when to teach them. Yeah. Okay. Sounds. I think it
2: just depends if it's really extreme on a kick. If you're just developing like a rolling topspin, just depends how much um, arch or backbend bend are how much they're using that backbend to get that upward action on the ball. So just be, be mindful of that.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, Jamie, hello, Jamie again. I had a lot of terrible coaches as a junior myself. My current female pro and I talk about male pros giving women bad advice, such as not breaking the plane on the forehand or not using – Two handed volleys. Um, Yeah, that's
2: great point.
0: Yeah, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Could you expand upon more? You can volley two
2: handed and you can break the plane.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe talk a little bit more about like the two handed volley. Like, why is that? Why are people saying not to use it? And, you know, just any other thoughts on that?
2: (laughs) Nothing, nothing in their head. There's been probably I could tell you six to ten world number one women's doubles players that would volley two-handed. Arantia Sanchez would volley two-handed sometimes. Mike Bryan volleys two-handed sometimes as a reflex. I mean, you've got to get the job done. If you can't keep the racket head up and it just keeps dropping and you don't have that strength and you don't have that, that capacity to brace properly, then you get your other hand on there. I mean, there's many Grand Slam champions that have that have won – grand Slams with two hands on their volleys so I would say if it's good enough for them let's let the the, the aesthetics or the ego or these thoughts go away if a Grand Slam champion can volley two-handed why can't a club player I don't I don't get that I don't know why that's a thing
0: yeah I do not either <laughs> um, so great <laughs> to hear that um, appreciate that Sarah so let's see Richard uh, asks uh, what would you advise players be wary of when they are trying to copy pros or absorbing too much technical information like from YouTube or on tennis forums?
2: Yeah, that's a great question because I'm trying to work on my golf swing and I try to absorb all this information from YouTube videos and I go out there and tell myself 50 different things to do. Where I go out as a coach and I would coach my level as a golfer and I would do one thing. I, you don't know the 50 looking on a YouTube. I would l- use YouTube for drill ideas And just a couple of – you can brush up on what your coach is telling you. Oh, yeah, that's what it looks like. That's what my coach said. But I wouldn't exclusively use videos for teaching myself. It's too hard. It's too technical. So, yeah, I don't know if I answered the question right, but I would try to stay away from doing that too much. I mean, it's a good second resource, but everyone needs a coach or you're not going to get better.
0: Yeah, seriously. Um, If you don't have one, then you absolutely – Even if it's 30 minutes. yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, even that, I mean, it's focused um, coaching. But yeah, I mean, at the very, very least, you need to videotape yourself, like you said. Um, let's yeah. still, coach recommended. <laughs> um, great stuff. Uh, Paul has another question. So, hello, I'm my daughter's tennis coach. She is 12 years old and plays USCA tournaments. It's awesome. Uh, she wants to play college level one day. What advice would you give her? Thanks.
2: Uh, make sure that you have someone else involved in the coaching. I don't know how good this person is as a coach themselves. And because it's a lot of pressure, my dad coached number seven player in the world and he was one of the best coaches in the world, but it was extremely difficult. And I did not enjoy the sport because of that. Mm. Make sure. Yeah. Just use your outside resources. Be the parent first. Uh, I don't think you know it all. We don't know it all. Even as coaches get a team around you and and make sure that she loves the sport it's 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 a difficult thing with kids sometimes the parents or even pros i've coached pros that i've wanted it more than they have wanted it so just make sure who's driving there and and then spend your money accordingly just don't blow it out the window because you want them to be good they've got to be invested too
0: yeah no such great advice so um I guess let's let's assume that you know so the a, a female player has a coach. I guess they're maybe they're a junior, um, and then they're looking to hire one other person. You know, maybe the budget isn't like so expansive that they can hire like three people or whatever. So who's mm-hmm. the next the, like who's the next person that you think would be the most beneficial to hire if they could hire another person besides the coach?
2: Yeah, maybe a, a college hitting par- a hitting partner, guy mm. or girl. It just depends on the level of the player. You know, there's there's some girls that just depends on the person. I'll get a hitting partner and just someone young, even a a high level junior. Pay them twenty bucks an hour. Mm. Get them out there. Get that level going up. And or you can get you can get players and play matches against your kids. And then if they beat your kid, you pay them. If they lose, then you don't. It's another system that works pretty well. Keep them motivated.
0: Ooh, that's yeah, accountability. That's a real good one. I love that. Um, yeah, mm. no, that that's a great one. You know, because I was I was like, for some reason, I assumed that maybe you were going to go in the realm of like, oh, you know, like a mental game coach or like a um, a physio <laughs> or something like that. But it sounds like it's just like getting better training partners and just playing. It was probably more beneficial, perhaps.
2: Yeah, it's situational though. Like yeah. I use you know you've got Nathan Martin on there. I, I would say, yeah. get you if you've got a tight budget, do you do your programming through tennis fitness, I think that's really useful, mm-hmm. and they can they can get it covered. I mean there's certain things you need you don't need that much technical advice for your fitness programs. Tennis is a moving you know it's a moving target, moving ball, it's different.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's very true. So another follow-up uh from Paul. So she plays with a semi western grip. A coach told her to switch to Eastern because well, Eastern because she's a girl. Is that true? <laughs> I think I know the answer. <laughs> is
2: that person is that person a registered coach? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. uh I would say no I would say no. <laughs> Just just go with what works if they've got an yeah. eastern naturally grips are very hard to change I would say be very careful trying to change people's groups. you can just destroy their whole game be very 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 sure if you want to change someone's group. and if they're over 14 I would almost forget it yeah it's it's really
0: hard yeah Becky said sad I agree um I almost didn't finish the question because because <laughs> of what I saw um but yeah anyways Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also do want to educate the audience about the uh, women's tennis coaching association too. I just want to ask you about that. Like I'm curious. Nice. Nice. The colors are very nice. Um, the colors
2: are good. We went with the colors.
0: Who, who picked the colors?
2: Uh, me actually, I, I saw colors that I liked and I sent them to the designer and we kind of worked together and and fix, she changed something a little on this A, made it look a little like a tennis ball, but we did pretty well with it. We, when you go with your branding, it's on here too. you got to get going from the start. you got to concentrate on what you're doing. Yeah. And, yeah, it did well. But it's gone really well. We're not doing anything right now because of COVID. We like to focus a lot on live events. We did an online conference. Uh, we're looking at what we can do later in the year and doing some stuff with the USPTA and the USCA and just trying to expand The whole scope of women's tennis both women in tennis and coaching women's tennis for men and women
0: beautiful beautiful and and actually stay tuned yeah no we will stay tuned definitely um (laughs) and we have some links uh for people to check out uh wtca so um actually i was just curious like how how did you first um create or found uh wtca like when did the idea come out
2: Yeah, it just was a conversation with a friend and I just figured I wanted to contribute to visually seeing more women in tennis in the social space. So we started with videos and just having a platform for that, that there are someone else other than Roger Raffer and Novak. And then showing girls doing drills and then sort of thinking about the education side. How can we impact? How can we help more girls stay in the game? Can we create an environment where women coaches feel more confident? Well, to have that, you need your guys that are advocates for women and that creates that space where they feel included. And it just kind of rolled from there and and tapped into our network, myself and Anne, Grossman, the president, asked a lot of friends for a lot of favours to step up to help women's tennis. And and it's been great. It's great momentum. It's kind of been a good movement across the sport. So we're we're really proud of what we've been able to achieve and really thankful to all the people who cared enough to join us.
0: Yeah, so you know, huge kudos on on the effort and and uh, the organization. I'm c- curious too cuz um, you know, I'm involved in um our USTA leagues in in the county. So, what what are some strategies um to help recruit and get more uh, female players in the game?
2: Uh, I guess scheduling, you know, a lot of moms dealing mm. with kids, it's still Still more ish, more the mum's job to take care of the kids and those after hours mm-hmm. and things like that. I think that's that can be hard. Uh, crèche, child care, those sorts of things, have become a little bit more challenging. Less challenging, typically for men, and 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 it's not that it's a men, male or females role, but that's just the reality. Um, working in a crèche to your programs and just finding the right times. Mummy, mummies class and little kids class same time, just be innovative the leagues can be leagues can be a little nasty because there's this whole lack of identity outside of leagues and then this very yeah it's it can be cutthroat but it's not men's leagues can be cutthroat too but i I would say on the timing around kids and pickups and stuff like that it would be just be mindful for that
0: yeah thanks for that um definitely will be thinking about that uh let's see. So we got some nice comments. Look at this. Becky says I have the pink long sleeve and Sarah's hat.
2: Look at that. Becky Becky's the boss. That's why.
0: That's so cool. Sarah's done an exceptional job for sure. Um let's see. What was I gonna say? Um I'm curious about like your thoughts on um I don't know how much you follow like the uh f- uh women's tennis in the US, but like what's your what are your thoughts on the, Daily. the players? What's that?
2: Daily. They're my pals. Okay, oh, good, they're good, what, good. About good. what they're doing.
0: Good, good, good. Like, like, how impressed are you with, with uh, U.S. women's tennis, you know, at the moment?
2: Extremely impressed. And whenever mm. I hear this garbage about women's tennis, America doesn't have that many players. I just go down the list. We go from Kennan, then Serena, Jenny, uh, Madison, Sloan, Ally Risk, I mean, Jessie Pagula, it just goes on and on. There's so much depth. Venus is still in the, in, in, on the list. I mean, you've just got so many great players and a lot of really great girls and, uh, and great ambassadors for our sport. And America should be very proud of their female tennis players. So anyone who thinks it's not good, they've they got no idea. And, and Cathy Rinaldi's done a really great job as the, as the leader. She's a, she's a really inspirational person and... And I've been really impressed with what she's done since she's been in that that top role.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's so awesome to see. At least we have some really good uh, female players that have been are doing you know decent. Got some good talent, but uh, yeah. let's see. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's see. This one's an interesting one. VJB, uh, careful when someone plays every sport to and uh, not blame tennis when you get a stress factor, stress factors happen cumulatively, core and hip strength, flexibility, recovery matter. Um, that's interesting. Do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know. Like, uh...
2: Not really. I mean, I just speak from what advice I've been given by orthopedic surgeons on the back. I am not a doctor. They just said, be careful. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, cumulative hours, you got to be mindful how many hours you can do. There's a lot of research on that a sports hour is another hour on the body so if you want to practice 10 hours of tennis a week and as a kid you at that age you're only supposed to practice 13 that includes all sports so that that is a true statement you just have to be careful of the load you put on the body
0: yeah no 100 percent uh let's see okay um kayland uh if playing multiple sports, at what age would you recommend just focusing on tennis? Best sport, and then the second one, I guess, is best sport to complement tennis development?
2: Soccer, gymnastics, and athletics. I would say athletics for me is number one as a young kid, doing all those hurdles and all of that. Uh, um, yeah. And or karate is pretty good too. I would not mm. say so much basketball, but those would be my top. Yeah, gymnastics, soccer, or and track. And I don't know when the time's right. I didn't focus on single sport. I did athletics right through high school. So I was still doing athletics at 16 and, and playing for Australia and on the junior Fed Cup team. So I don't think you have to pick. But that was my main sport. But I still did athletics at school.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's great stuff. It's yeah, it's very, yeah, no, it definitely depends. And I don't know, have you read this book called Range by David Epstein?
2: Not
0: it's a very good one. And I was very pleased to see, um, it basically talks about how a lot of people think that like specializing from a super young age is the way to go. But in actuality, a lot of the most successful people have, you know, um, Gone through a multitude of different experiences, and then the very first chapter is, you know, it, it talks about Tiger versus Roger fetter where you know mm. Tiger, like he specialized in all this, but Roger actually played a whole bunch of different sports and all that. So, uh, and I'm actually wondering, you know, if, if I'm sure it's probably the case, like with some some female uh, professional players, like can you? I'm trying to think of any that any that you know that like they played a bunch of sports for a while. I mean, beside yourself.
2: <laughs> Yeah, lots, loads. Okay. I mean, that, like Coco, Vanderway, I mean, these, these girls played different sports growing up, not everywhere. I mean, that, m- mainly you focus on tennis. Tennis is first and everything else is secondary. But most, most I mean, Barty played cricket, footy, everything. Sam Stozer mm. played, you know, these other sports, not maybe formalized, but playing other sports we're seeing that more and more in tennis and that's why you're seeing the level of women's tennis going up because of that, that total athlete.
0: Yeah. So important. So important. Um, let's see, uh, L Robin to add to Kay comment. What is your suggested progression for a junior player? My daughter is 10. Uh,
2: uh follow the advice of a good coach it's too hard to say when i have no idea about what they're doing just ma- monitor the training loads and you've got to do that with an expert i do not know the facts off the top of my head
0: gotcha. but don't overtrain. train gotcha. yeah that's a good one so I know that you did touch upon this some before, but I'm just wondering, like what are maybe like three or four things or however many you want like to look for in order to find uh, a really good coach for yourself or for a student?
2: Someone who cares, someone who has a lot of experience, uh, not somebody who isn't trying to tell you that you're going to be the greatest player of all time in your first lesson and someone that you get that you really gel with, I guess someone that you connect with. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I really, I only have time to do one more question. Is that okay if we take, Oh yeah,
0: yeah. No, no problem. No problem. Uh, shoot, shoot, shoot.
2: I missed a call. I was supposed to be on, but this was more important.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. Gosh. It's all good.
2: It's all good. (laughs) You (laughs) can wait.
0: Okay, great. So I'm just going to ask this general question, you know, um, you know, for female players who, who want to improve their game and who want to, you know, they're committed, but they're maybe like kind of stuck at, at the same level. They've been there for, for a while. What's up? Uh, some piece, you know, a couple pieces of advice or one piece of advice for them to, to get unstuck and get to the next level?
2: Um, be a really big student of the game. Watch, watch a lot of tennis. So you, so you track the patterns well. And just be as athletic as possible. Challenge yourself athletically, be it like hiking, shooting baskets, whatever. Just challenge yourself in different athletic ways and I think it will help you develop because tennis is a very athletic sport and, and typically women come from less exposure to a lot of different sports. So if you can do that for yourself, you'll be going places.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Well, hey, Sarah, I'm sure we'll connect again soon. And thanks a lot. It was really nice to see you. Uh, thanks. thanks for yeah, it's good to see you
2: too. Congrats yeah. on all the great work.
0: All right. I really hope you enjoyed that episode, that interview slash Q&A with Coach Sarah Stone. And again, thanks for your time, Sarah. I'll keep up the great work. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, I really would appreciate it if you would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast and you can do that in your podcast app of choice. Just feel free to hit that big, juicy subscribe button and you'll get all the episodes immediately downloaded to your podcast and device that you use to listen to podcasts so that you don't have to go and manually find and download the show. Very convenient for a millisecond's worth of work, I'd say. Maybe a couple seconds, I guess, if you have to open the app. But anyways, just subscribe uh, would be great for the show. It would just bring it up the rankings uh, and therefore give more visibility uh, of the show to others, which is more important, uh, the most important uh, of all, more than rankings and all that jazz. Um just trying to help people improve. And so... I also would like to leave a quote with you, as I often do at the end of the show, pretty much every time, and this one is by Ralph Waldo Emerson, Uh, and Ralph said, dare to live the life you have dreamed for yourself, go forward and make your dreams come true. Very, very true, Um, really love this particular quote. So with that, I just want to thank you for listening to the show again, and I look forward to. Bringing you more content every single week. Have a great one and I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. This is Mirabon Aranshad signing out.
1: Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.